Yeah, probably best to have the microphone on the desk when recording, huh? Good idea. Yeah, you know. Probably, probably help out. This week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman. And I am a sad Gloria Ackerman. This is, um, well, not really our second to last no. episode of Whiskey and Mash, but definitely our last, our second to last one about any of the episodes. Uh, we're only going to be talking about season 11, episode 15, as time goes by, because the last episode is Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. And that's the only one left. So, that we we could have done a three episode one last week, but we I I didn't look ahead <laughs> to well, realize. We just think that last episode deserves it, its no, no. own. Yeah, if if for another reason than due to its length, I mean it's. But this you know, one what, has hour, so hour much. Oh yeah. Content yeah. and so many things happening that mm -hmm. it is like two episodes. Yeah. No, definitely. And um, let me let me preface this. This is an abnormal episode, so let me preface this with a few things about this episode. Okay. Um, looking ahead here, uh, this episode was actually the last one shot. Really? Yeah. Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen was shot before this episode. This one was the last one shot of the series. When... Um, when they're putting stuff in the time capsule, that was the last scene. And so, actually, once that scene was done, uh, there were reporters, I guess, standing offset, because this was all shot on the soundstage. Because if you remember, in, pardon me, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, what happens to the compound? It gets burned down. Oh, yeah. So they literally yeah. burned... Everything. The set on the lot. So this had to be shot, since it was shot last, it had to be shot entirely on the soundstage. But that just meant that there were reporters and everyone standing just off camera, waiting for the series to wrap. And uh, when... what Where is this? Uh, when... Uh, I'm trying to look up this quote. But when the director, I think it's Burt Metcalf... Um, when he calls cut or rap or something to that effect, uh, everybody like swarms in and uh, starts taking pictures. And if I remember correctly, Jamie Farr uh, actually was not in there. Is that it? See, yeah, Burt Metcalf yelled something to the effect of "That's a rap," and then everybody swarmed in. Because didn't Klinger run off to get a different gown? Yes, he went to get his black gown. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't on set when it was a wrap. Oh. And so everyone on set was like giving each other hugs and everything. And Jamie Farr wasn't actually there oh. because his character wasn't there. Um, so oh, that Oh, I know him and Father Mulcahy were with... No, no, because no. Klinger was there. Oh, yeah. Because he said, said, this can stand taste. for something, can't yes. it? Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, I think he did go back for the for the Black Knight gown. And, um, but anyway, as I recall in, in uh, like, a post-filming press conference that they had for this episode, Jamie Farr stood up and kind of broke down into tears and said something to the effect of, and I wasn't there, and I just, you all were hugging, and I didn't get to be a part of that, and then they all just mm -hmm. kind of swarm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. You know, this is this is it. This is the final episode that was filmed. That scene was the final scene that was filmed. So, in a way, I kind of view this as, as our... Um, I'm trying to think of the literary term. Um, the climax of our series. Mm -hmm. on this and then oh, um, yeah, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen is kind of the start of the denouement and then if we do another episode uh, about our top ten that'll be the conclusion um, it's still 
it doesn't seem like we've been doing it that long. And I yeah. remember beginning and saying, mm -hmm. wow, we're going to be here for a couple of years. <laughs> yep, have been. <laughs> and have been. Thank you for sticking with us. Ryan's two and a half now. And we started out. Um, During maternity just, leave. Yeah, just after she was born. Um, but yeah, you know, there's there's a lot going on and we'll get into it more. Um, some of the little things, a lot of the extras were not only in here, but credited in here. And even those who weren't actively involved were on the call sheet. And so... Th they could they, be part of yeah, this ending. Yeah, they did everything they could to get as many people as they could on set for this episode, for this final episode. And what a great idea. Mm -hmm. Because time capsules... They go, you know, sometimes a hundred years, sometimes Ooh. a thousand. And now, okay, here's something I read. Okay, you say a hundred years, right? Right. Charles, or is it Charles who makes the comment, just think of what it'll be in a hundred years, right? Okay. Do you remember on the first episode of MASH, what the title on the screen was in the very first scene? No idea. Korea. When? A hundred years ago. Wow. <laughs> kind of cool. So that that's a little neat callback, I think. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but um yeah. You know, it, it is. It's interesting. Um I find I find it dubious that their time capsule would actually last. I mean Because of the blowing up and the Well, because it's wood. It's a it's a wooden footlocker, right, right. you know. It's um, goodness, it's a wooden footlocker. They're gonna bury it in the ground, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not. Good. It's not gonna last. You need something that's like hermetically sealed, like metal and like rubberized, and and especially when you put a burnt piece of toast in, <laughs> they yes. don't do that. But yeah, that would create all sorts of issues. But yeah, let's um. Did you want to or should I? Go for, for it. One. I, I'm okay. not, go for it. You okay. have been working very hard at this. Okay. Um, I'll try and I'll try and uh, after being long-winded, give a quick summary. Um, really, two. We have our two plots, A plot and B plot, or I, maybe I'll call them the two A plots in this case. I um, think so. You know, because they both they start at the same place. Well, no, there were three. There were really three. Uh, so there were two A plots and a B plot. I'll call it that way. First A plot. Uh, they bring in a wounded soldier, and he, the, the medic, says, did you get the other one that we sent on the chopper? They say the chopper hasn't arrived. So there is a bit about that, and the chopper arriving, and the kid getting there, and what it took to get him to mash. The second one was in that same medic ambulance, a Korean woman who supposedly shot the kid who was being brought in on the chopper. Klinger ended up being able to prove that she didn't but she lost her family uh, as part of part of the bombing where she supposedly shot a soldier the B plot Rizzo feels wronged by some of the officers Igor has a dummy grenade from boot camp Rizzo borrows it to make fools of the officers in the end Charles gets the grenade those are those are the three plot strands. Charles gets the grenade. In the, but through BJ. I, okay, that's yeah, all I need to say. We'll talk yeah. about it later. So but. yeah, no, let, let's let's do <laughs> that one quick since it's okay. the minor plot. Um, so yeah, Rizzo feels wrong because he was passed out on the bar, and then uh, BJ decides to have a little fun and he leans into Rizzo as he's walking away and says, "Sergeant, where's the general's jeep?" <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm getting it just all up here, sir. <laughs> and he feels wrong by that. Now, in BJ's defense, if you pass out on the bar... You deserve something. I don't drink at bars, but I know that. If you pass out on the bar, you are fair game. Exactly. Just like And I you're... don't think that was that bad of a joke to no, do what he did. I agree. That was very mild. Same thing if you pass out with your shoes on. Same deal. Your free game. Oh, really? To be pranked, yes. Okay. That's that's the rule I always knew from college. So, but, um, so Rizzo feels wronged. Igor is juggling and, 
and, and polishing this dummy grenade, and Rizzo trades him a jeep for a night to borrow it. And then he goes to the showers when BJ is in there, pulls the pin and drops the grenade in the shower stall with BJ. And BJ, of course, dives out of the showers. And I didn't know the five-second rule, though. I thought it was yeah. kind of funny. Because nope. it's the five-second rule. Yeah. Pineapple grenades had, as I recall, three to five-second fuse. Why do I say three to five seconds? Because it wasn't consistent. <laughs> as I recall, it could blow up anywhere from three to five seconds, which is why sometimes it went off before the guy threw it. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's why the pin goes, you have one 1,000, two 1,000 to get the out of there. And uh, that's why BJ ran. But, um, so Rizzo gets it back after that. But now BJ knows that Rizzo has a dummy grenade. And Rizzo wasn't actually too bright because he's <laughs> like, ha-ha, gotcha! Yeah. You know, it's he's actually rubbing grenade. it in. Yeah, yeah. You he, know? Yeah, don't show your hand. Exactly. If he would have just... If oh, you, it, if you it have bluffed off. your way into a pot... Don't tell the other players that you bluffed your way into a pot. Exactly. Don't do that. And, um, so now, I did wonder something watching this this time. Did BJ conscript Charles to do something to get Rizzo to use the grenade again? Or was it just that Charles did something where Rizzo felt he needed to use the grenade again? Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Because... What happens? Well, Winchester, actually, when Rizzo pulls the grenade and he mm. expected Winchester to dive out of the tent, he actually threw himself onto the grenade mm. to save Rizzo's life. Save what yourself, a brave man. man. Yeah. <laughs> Major, you was willing to sacrifice yourself for me? <laughs> and I was actually thinking, because I didn't remember. Wow, I, I had said... Wow, that's really brave. And you're like, wait for it. Yeah. And then, I, and then I don't know why, but then I, I probably just remembered. Yeah. Oh, BJ's a part of this. Yeah, because yeah, you know, then like, Rizzo was trying to get the grenade, and and Charles said, "Oh, Luther, I will dispose of this permanently," and like buttons it up in his breast pocket. But then after Rizzo leaves, BJ. Pops his little head up from the corner of the window. And Charles gives him an okay, like... Got him. Got him, and BJ does the same back. So, they were conspiring. To what extent, I do not know. However, tell us what you think. So, I'm not we're not done here yet, but tell us oh. what you think. Head over to our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Whiskey and Mashed. Let us know. Did Charles intentionally bump into Rizzo in the mess tent and call him whatever it was. A slow-minded lummox, I think. Something to that effect. <laughs> or was that unintentional BJ heard about it and let and Charles know that Rizzo would be coming by with a dummy grenade? Let us know which one it is. Interesting. You know? Interesting. So that's the B plot. Let's tackle... Which one? A plot number one. I know that the refugee. <laughs> I, I'm guessing the refugee family that, that comes to town. Yeah, yeah let's go with the refugee plotline. They yeah. send the refugee family, and they're like, "No, no, you can't send us. We're waiting for our daughter. She's mm -hmm. plowing in the fields. Please don't send us away. Mm -hmm. We may never see her again. You must not send so, us." Apparently, how a refugee camp works, and I didn't know that. I thought if you sent someone to a refugee camp, they stayed there for a long time, long periods of time. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm guessing, this is a guess, that they had like sub camps and main camps. So okay, so this know, was a sub camp. Yeah, or like a satellite camp or something like a processing center. You know. Okay. Where are you from? Check. You know how many in your family? Check. Okay, we're shipping you off to. Because maybe things have changed, but the Hmong families that mm -hmm. I worked with, they like lived at the camps. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like bouncing from camp to camp. Yeah, it it's very possible. I mean, you think how large the front was. Right. So they, I that makes sense to process them at one place mm -hmm. and then ship them to the main place. Just like. But then you'd be able to still find them at the main. 
place. You would hope. Yeah. It, okay. It, it's... <laughs> it, it, I, they just made it sound like they will never see each other again if they don't mm-hmm. find each other within that 24-hour period. Yeah. And that could be. It could be. You know, I think of... I mean, I, Korea I, is a huge place. It's not like yeah. it's... It's... Yeah. And, you know, I think of recent disasters. Um... And by recent, I mean as far back as like 9/11. Oh, that okay. you know, I thought there, you we've had so or many Harvey, this year that, or Irma, or and yeah, you know, like at December, or uh, September 11th, right? The twin towers go down. There's a lot of confusion as to who's alive and who's dead, exactly. and it takes a long time to sort out who's still missing. Exactly. And that's in the age of computers. Right. Hurricane Harvey in Texas just this year. 2017 facebook and other social media helped because you were able to go on there and say i'm safe you could check that you know mm-hmm. and people were able to instantly know but it was still a process of finding people who didn't have access to that and or we who still were at, have yeah. missing people yet yeah from irma so and, and again that's in an age of computers and right. so i just imagine that you know these I, i'm thinking of the the medical organization during the Korean uh, War, you know, you you had battalion aid stations. Those processed oh, soldiers true. from the field. Battalion aid fed went into to, Mash. Mash fed to, into um I- into evac hospitals. So it does make sense. You know, and I'm exactly. sure they would have replicated that structure. But there's so much paperwork. I I'm betting that you know let's say that that they were sent off to one of these i'll call it a battalion aid level refugee processing center where we see them um I because be- you could see it wasn't permanent they no. were sitting in a corner on yeah. the floor mm-hmm. yeah i bet that the paperwork from there assuming there was any probably didn't reach the next refugee center for at least a day yeah. at least and by that time they probably had other paperwork to fill out there which also probably took at least a day you know i'm sure that it took at least a month for all the paperwork i'm just putting numbers out there right for all the paperwork to finally get somewhere where it could be collated and like put into a single file and who knows what sort of transcription error or spelling mistakes somebody made along the way where Sun Li becomes Sun Yung, <laughs> and you never find them. Exactly. So, unfortunately, I'm sure that's accurate, you know? And I think it's hard for maybe someone uh, a li- even a little younger than you that's yeah. listening to this to even mm-hmm. understand what we're talking about because they don't understand pre-computer. Yeah. But, like, everything mm-hmm. had to be written down. There mm-hmm. wasn't... There was pencils yeah. and paper or mm-hmm. you couldn't even type it unless you had uh carbon. this carbon paper that yeah. was a mass and very short supply so like you didn't yeah. just make copies of things the way mm-hmm. we do now oh let me just go down to the bank and get yeah let me get copies let me make a xerox no it wasn't <laughs> you don't even know there. what a xerox is if you're too young in fact they had this old blue thing that you had to turn <laughs> and that did not Maybe Most of the time it's smudged. Yeah. And you couldn't understand what it was. Mm-hmm. There wasn't even copy machines. Yeah. Yeah. Like and now you can just, you know, stick something mm-hmm. on there and email it to someone. Well, yeah. Well, that's how, and you know, that's part of it. That's what I'm, it, it, people could disappear. Right. And easily. Easily. There wasn't DNA testing. There wasn't. There, there, there was no paper trail. Like, there wasn't even telephones. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you did have a phone, it was a party line or a... Like, yeah. It, it... Yeah, that's why, like, World War II, the Cold War, a lot of, you know, through the Cold War, through a lot of the Cold War, if you could just create a document that looked good enough, you could get through places. Exactly. Because they couldn't do instant verification checks. Like, if you check in through an international airport and you have your passport they scan it and they know nope yes but you are not irma belling age 92 that is so funny you picked the name out well yeah it was in my someone i know (laughs) 
Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, I, that's Lancey's grandmother. Okay. I picked <laughs> a last name that I knew, but the first one... Anyway, <laughs> you know, it's not... Yeah, you couldn't just instantly verify an wow. identity. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, people could just disappear, unfortunately. And that's what, you know, Soon Lee, who was accused of shooting this kid, um, Stodder. Yep, Stodder. Um, yeah. It, she was accused of it, and um, she kept saying, I must find my family. If I do not find them, I can, I, I will lose them. And, and she would. Yeah. And in fact, um, in Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, that's part of the thing with Klinger, you remember? Yeah, they're searching for her parents. Yeah, Soon Lee said, I will not leave Korea until I find my family. And that's when Klinger finally decides, you know what? We're going to find him. I'm going to stay here with you until we find him. Mm-hmm. Uh, very noble of Klinger, but a but little crazy. But he fell in love. Yeah, you know, and that, this is the start of it, which, as another point, uh, in the wiki and in, in the interesting facts, when else in this series have you seen a plot point arc through multiple episodes? Because Soon Lee is a plot point that goes through two episodes. I don't think I've seen another one that does that. Unless you include, like, Radar's teddy bear. Right, right. <laughs> or the still, you know, inanimate objects. Which, I guess, the whole teddy bear thing only bothered me because I just watched the episode where the kids, the orphans, came and yeah. Miss Cranny. Yeah, the, I just watched it, the so bear I wasn't just right. saw this beat-up, tattered teddy bear, and then it's They new, have a pretty tiny. perfect, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, it was not Radar's teddy bear. It was a facsimile. It was one meant to okay. be Radar's teddy bear, but it wasn't. But no, yeah. it wasn't. And yeah. I'm not letting it go. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, Soon Lee wants to find her parents. She's being held because they think that she's the sniper who shot this Stoddard kid. Uh, Stoddard finally arrives. Klinger gets the bullet, checks she's the caliber, scared. and it's not the right caliber for the gun they got her with. So him and father... Tail it down to the refugee center at Munsenyi and Monkehi finds the the refugee parents and says look I brought your daughter and can you imagine yes I brought your daughter so their eyes start to light up soon Lee's eyes are lit up because she thinks she's seeing her family and it was delicious their hopes were crushed it was sad oh you thought it was sad <laughs> I really enjoyed watching their hopes be crushed because I'm a horrible so person. Bad for them. No, the yeah. dad it was, just it hit. Yeah. Great acting. Just yeah. great because mm -hmm. your heart just sank when mm -hmm. they looked at each other. They didn't have to say a word. They no, didn't have they to didn't. say, this yeah. is not my daughter. They didn't have to say a word because you could see it in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And I think the only line there was Fraud and Mulcahy going, I I'm, I'm so, so, so sorry. I thought. And then I think that was pretty much it in that oh, scene. it was just so sad because, mm -hmm. honestly, you just think it's going to be because it's mm -hmm. the end. Yeah, and then, <laughs> you know, and and to wrap up the Soon Lee part of that, she just stays at MASH. I'm assuming, A, because Klinger has become smitten with her, but B, you know, realistically, if her parents were from that area... They That's would, where they would go. They would pass through MASH, because MASH is now starting to become not only uh, a casualty processing center, but a POW and a refugee processing center, because it's army. And they have the resources to find her parents. Mm -hmm. More resources than if she's just she going would... to wander the mm -hmm. world. Absolutely, yeah. So... Klinger has more clout right. in refugee centers <laughs> than Sun Lee would. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, so the other plot, though, Stoddard, this kid who did get shot, the battalion aide puts him on a chopper to get him to mash. And what happens? Well, the chop. Well, we don't know this right away mm -hmm. because all they know is the chopper was gone. Mm -hmm. So the chopper pilot just kind of says, well, my, um, my, that thing, the, the, thing. the rubber thing. What is oh, when they finally land? No, but he says their belt broke. The fan belt. The fan belt broke. Yeah. And he's like, oh, our fan belt broke. I couldn't get off. So, you know, ta-da, and he leaves. 
but they come to find oh, out okay, later. Okay, so, so you're talking when they finally get there. Yes. The the chopper pilot comes in with Stoddard. Stoddard's taken into surgery. surgery, and he and says to the colonel, "Where can I get a new fan belt? Mine broke." And Colonel Potter says, "See my company clerk." So. He's just like nonchalantly saying, my fan belt broke, that's why we didn't get here, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. He, he's just doing what he can. Yeah. He's a brave... He, he goes to talk to Clinger. Clinger says, go over there, take a left, get a new, get fan, a new belt. fan belt. Fine. Off he goes. He's gone. Mm. But then, come to find out, when Stoddart gets out of surgery, he's like, where's the chopper pilot? I need to say thank you to him. And they're yeah. like, what are you talking about? Lieutenant well, Branham. Turns out that to the story is much more than than the chopper pilot Lieutenant Brennan mm-hmm. says he, I mean he could have said, oh my gosh, you should have saw what I did, oh, but he didn't. The boy said that the the chopper could only go two hundred yards at a time because Be- without the fan belt, that was the fan belt that cooled the engine, so the engine would get too hot, so he would walk ahead. Find a place to go and land, come all the way back, fly 200 yards, land the plane, go back out, look for more, come back. I mean, this man was a true hero all the mm-hmm. time attending to this patient also, and not just, you know, ignoring the patient. And, and remember, um, MASH is three, maybe five miles from the front. So every 200 yards. That's... It's well, a long a way. And yeah, and that's what they said. But also, if the lines shift, there were probably forward observers who could see him and shoot him. Yeah. He's still within range. This is still an active war zone where he's doing this. So That's why he went out ahead. So the boy didn't get shot because they could only go up so high. Mm-hmm. It's not like they could go mm-hmm. out of range. Yeah. So, I mean, they, he was taking his life in his own hands every time right and not just once or twice every time he went on foot every time he flew every time i mean every second of that trip of that day and a half was was perilous exactly and And he just wanted to say thank you and this pilot they he left already so they didn't get to say thank you and this pilot just went on like it was another day's work. Yeah, because he got the kid to the four double seven done. Yeah, now let me go get another one. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good. I mean, come on. Who Frank took a purple heart for you know an eggshell egg <laughs> in his, his eye. eye. So here <laughs> is this man doing this brave thing and mm-hmm. as will never be recognized. Well, and that's if you remember I said when we were watching this. I hope he gets a medal. I mean, I know this yes. is a fictional character, but in the universe, right? There's I hope he was person. put in for a medal because, you know, think about it. BJ got a bronze star for heroism for cutting a rope and leaving a soldier in the field to save two others. And that killed him. This yeah. guy put his life on the line for a day and a half just going out, scouting, coming back, and jumping the chopper 200 yards at a time. To save one kid. And he just, like you say, all in a day's work. Right. That deserves a medal. That's the type of selflessness. I think the guy didn't think of himself as a hero. Absolutely not. I mean, he just was like, yep, this is what I do. I, you know, I. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of some of the stories I've heard of Medal of Honor recipients who were just. Trying to, yeah, absolutely. Um, in the Pacific, uh, I can't remember the, the 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 actual marine from that marine company. Um, but in the Pacific, the HBO miniseries, there is a marine sergeant who gets the Medal of Honor when he's still alive, which is very rare. He ended up dying on Iwo Jima, but. He kept going back and forth from the front to the HQ for ammo. And he saved a lot of guys in doing that. And he was just nuts. I mean, nobody was doing that sort of thing. But he was just doing his job. And I think most of the time, real heroes in battle... That's what they do. They're just trying to do their job. They're just trying to save someone. 
or save their buddies or save whoever and they're just doing their job and it's amazing to me how they can do that so selflessly selflessly that yeah. that's the perfect word like i yeah. just and that's it's amazing it is yeah um so anyway we got to hear that story and mm -hmm. you kind of went wow mm -hmm. cool yeah you know okay by the way sergeant john Bassalone. that's the marine i was thinking of okay if you're a marine you know that name um anything else about this episode i mean I oh yeah we... a whole nother part what other part <clears throat> the time capsule oh yeah <laughs> you know the my favorite part of the episode forgot about that <laughs> the final part yeah so we start uh Charles is talking about how they're burying a time capsule in the cornerstone of a building in L.A. And um, Margaret gets it in her head that we should do that here so people know. What we did. What was life like? Mm-hmm. And Hawkeye volunteers to help. Seriously, wanted to make the time capsule something that was more relevant to mm -hmm. life as compared to Margaret, who just wanted all these brochures Army. and books. Yeah, she, you know... It, so he really was thinking, I want a balance. Yeah, it was very... Margaret, uh, Hawkeye states it explicitly, but Margaret was very much, this is an army unit, this was an army operation, we should show them what the army did here. And Hawkeye was, there were people here, we should show them what happened to the people, and what the people did here. And both of them had clear points, mm -hmm. and so they were yeah. each going to do their own time capsule at, mm. well, after a while. Yeah, because <laughs> Margaret said, lot of help you are, you stay out of my way, because she thought Hawkeye was mocking her, and he's not. No, he wants it, and I can see both sides, and I like what they ended up doing, but, um, yeah. you know, they seriously, Margaret just wanted the army side, mm -hmm. and Hawkeye just wanted the humanity side, so they needed to come together mm -hmm. to have a decent time capsule, and I think and, they did. And yeah, let's let's enumerate what they ended up with, because this, again, this is the final scene. This is the final scene of the series, so let's talk about it. Oh, I First you get... Uh, most of the cast, because the captains and Winchester come in a little bit later. But you have most of the cast there. Margaret has a spark plug from Rizzo, showing American ingenuity, but I think it was Japanese. <laughs> That's okay, they're on our side. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Army boots from Kelly, standing for those who couldn't stand. From Potter, a Zane, Zane Gray, Gray novel. Because he wouldn't give her an army manual, I guess. <laughs> but as angry, doesn't that just say who Potter is? It does. It Absolutely. Does. It, it's really a character. He's that or bunion pads. pads. Yeah. So. I got Xeno pads all over the place. <laughs> Take them both. Whichever you pick, give the other one back. <laughs> um, but then the captains and Charles come in, and Margaret goes, "No, no." You're not putting that here. And they go, oh, of course not. We're going to put it two feet over here. Over there. That's a much better place. So they were just going to have two yeah. of them. Well, you know, Margaret thought that. But then yeah. Hawkeye clearly was never meaning for there to be two because he sets it down and goes, before, before you say no, include this. And he holds up. The fan belt from mm -hmm. the helicopter and they both just worked on this young man yeah um slot Stodder. Stod Stodder. yeah and so they both knew it was important mm -hmm. to them at that time yeah nobody will ever know who this lieutenant was they but, should have put the bullet in too from mm -hmm. saving Sun Lee. but okay. <laughs> but we should remember him yes and it's stories like that that should and I be remembered. Thought that was so cool that mm -hmm. it's a story that someone didn't take credit for. Mm -hmm. And so it was in there. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they included like a sheet or something. But yeah, it's like. Yeah, there's usually this... a sheet with the time capsule explaining yeah. each item. Yeah. Next up, Hawkeye. This is my contribution. And it was quote unquote radars. 
teddy bear. It, it, it was thematically similar, but distinct from was brand the actual new. teddy bear that they used for Radar. Don't the know what to happen to that teddy one. teddy bear had an X on its eye from someone ripping his eye off. Well, I think it's it like, was... yeah, like, I think its mouth was actually like plastic or some sort of acrylic. Yes. This I... one was completely It was a new for... freaking it was, teddy bear. <laughs> but again, like... It was meant to represent. I don't know why I get so crabby about I, that, but I just no, don't. I agree. It's not his, but I'm. A lot of these things, after a while, I've just come to accept as okay. They are using this as a symbol, not trying to be completely canonically correct. And Radar probably stole his real teddy bear to take <laughs> with him because I do think he did donate it to Sesame Street at one point. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. That that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, I read something on. I'm gonna have to look that up. Uh, but so they had a thematically similar teddy bear to represent all of the soldiers who came as boys and, and left as men. Man. Bj held up a lure and said, you know. I fished with this a few times. Never had a lot of luck. But this was Colonel Blake's. Blake's, Let this stand for those who didn't make it home. Father donated boxing gloves. I thought that was cute. Let this stand for future wars. May they be solved using only these instead of guns. And then they pulled out Klinger's Scarlet O'Hara gown. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, Margaret. Not, not that one. The black, tasteful one. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's So that's when he left, left to go get his new dress. Mm-hmm. Or his his vintage his dress. His vintage dress. And, um, but we forgot about Charles Cognac. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't write that one down. <laughs> but, yeah, Charles. Oh, please, mind. This, by the time this is opened, it will be over a hundred years old. It will be excellent. Fine. Put it in there. And we didn't mention Igor's either. Igor's toast. I don't think that, no. Well, that didn't make the final cut. No, I don't think that made the final cut. That was in in Hawkeyes. That was in Hawkeyes, yeah. But it didn't make the final cut that goes in a hundred years. This toast will be 200 years old. Yeah. Oh, that didn't so make funny. it. Okay. No, that didn't make it. Thankfully. But that that was in um, Hawkeyes. I just yeah. wanted to make sure the toast got mentioned. Yeah. Nope. And then that was it. How cool, though. I was just saying, because Chris and Laura are building a brand new house, and I think somewhere they need to put a time capsule <laughs> so that they can open it up 100 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, he's we'll just see. looking at we'll me with see. dirty looks, and I don't oh, know there she goes go. talking again. We would have to dig a hole. There's no place in the building left. It's There's all a been... corner. No, you... there's not. Yeah, be... oh yeah, because all the walls are up. Yes, that's all I'm saying. The walls. We are should up. have put it under the stairs. It's walled up already. I know, but wouldn't that have been cool? Yes, but you're we saying do, do little... it now. No. We could do a little hole. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not undoing their work. If Mark's listening to this, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So anyway. Off track. Back to track. Yeah. Um, um, very so, good but, episode. And yeah. I'm glad it was on its own because yeah. there was so much. There was history. Oh, my goodness. This is the normal length for one of our episodes. Yeah. yeah. This, there, there was history. There was new. Mm-hmm. There was... Yeah. It, this was a great episode. And like we both said, we've been waiting for this one. Because yes. we knew it was coming, and we finally got it. Right. I didn't realize it was the end, though. Neither I wouldn't have did known I. that. Yeah. Um, you know, the only other thing is in the post-commercial scene, which, again, the, the, the time capsule scene is it. That was the last scene shot. Right. Okay. As far as actual air continuity... The last scene of this episode is the post-commercial Klinger taking Sunli to the O Club. The captains and Winchester are also going. There's a big line. They can't get in. Winchester says, oh, I think some seats will open up soon and pulls out the dummy grenade. I thought that was so funny. I'm okay with that not making the cut for normal air. (laughs) But just to point out, I think the important part of that, the reason I bring it up, Sunli is with Klinger. 
and I think they're hand in hand. Oh, really? I didn't know. They that. might be, but she's still there. So, okay. this between this and the final Goodbye, episode, we we already get a little taste of they're kind of at least hanging out. They're becoming sort of an item. So, right. Um, at that point, let me just say next week's episode will definitely be a longer one. Uh, for sure it will be a longer one because it's going to cover goodbye, farewell, and amen. Um, there's just no two ways around that. I know. It's going to be a long episode because the episode itself is like an hour or an hour and a half without commercials. It's long, and it should be because it's basically two episodes. You get the part where Hawkeye's nuts, and then you get Well, the don't give it away! People listening to this know! Laura knows! And she doesn't watch MASH. The first half is is Hawkeye being nuts, and the second part is the end of the war. So, I mean, it's long. So just know that ahead of time if you're listening to these chronologically. Um, uh, Fun facts that we haven't covered yet. Um, Talked about... Uh, what happened after filming of the last scene. Uh, Margaret makes a goof, or Loretta Swit makes a goof, and refers to Kelly as Kelly, uh, Lieutenant Nakahara, Mm -hmm. even though she's very clearly been Lieutenant Kelly Yamato. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, Soon Lee reprises her role uh, in Aftermash as Klinger's wife. Spoilers. Uh, They don't mention Trapper. They mention... Oh, yeah. Radar and Colonel Blake. And Burns. Oh, yes. What are we going to do for Frank Burns? That's right. But they don't mention Trapper for whatever reason. I think that's an unfortunate oversight. I do, too. Because he's he's part of it. And he was Hawk's best friend. And Hawk's putting this together. Yeah. Uh, This episode has an on-screen dedication at the end to the only... This is the only time that they've done this. It's dedicated to the memory of Connie is a... R.N., the show's technical advisor from 1977 to 82. Mrs. A died in 1982. Oh, they used to call me Mrs. A in Nicolay, at Nicolay <laughs> School. <laughs> Hi, anyone from Nicolay School. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, what else do they have on IMDb that might be worth mentioning? Uh, this episode's title comes from the song As Time Goes By, made most famous as the song from Casablanca. The song itself predates the film by 11 years, however, and has been used in many movies and television shows since. Uh, also, the final call sheet for the episode, for the time capsule scene, lists extras by name. The nurses were Kelly Nakahara, Farrell, didn't specify which one, but both Gwen and Judy can be seen in the scene, Shari Saba, Jennifer Davis, and Alberta J. There are to be three GIs, Klein, Dickey, and Snyder. Stand-ins were listed as Goldman, Hill, Pettinger, Troy, and Thompson. Not sure if this is Joanne Thompson. However, other familiar faces not listed in the call sheet can also be seen in the scene. Um, and I think here... Fanbell... Oh, an anachronism that we see at the beginning of the episode. The uh, medic had a big red cross on his helmet. The medic guarding Soon Lee is wearing the helmet with the Red Cross. Oh, that man. practice was stopped in early 1951 because North Korean snipers were using them to aim. Oh. <laughs> so they stopped that, which I totally understand. Oh, yes. That's just like in the one episode, um, end of season three, uh, where they have Harry Morgan in as the lieutenant general. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just gave you an order. Salute. It's not advisable to salute here, sir. Why not? Uh, because then snipers know that you're of a superior rank and it makes you a target. Salute! Yes, sir. <laughs> he pulls his gun. Well, he was a little crazy. We could either go after the sniper or go for lunch. Lunch. Lunch! Lunch. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Anyway, guest stars recurring cast. We have 
Rosalind Chow as Sun Lee, G.W. Bailey as Luther Rizzo, Jeff Maxwell as Igor Straminsky, Kelly Nakahara as Lieutenant Kelly Yamato, Mark Harrier as Corporal Stoddard, Michael Swarm as Lieutenant Barnum, Wesley Thomas as Cor Thompson as Corbin, Chow Lee Chi as Korean husband, Oksun Kim as Korean wife, Joanne Thompson as nurse number one, Bridget Chandler as nurse number two, with uncredited appearances by Judy Farrell, Shari Saba, Jennifer Davis, Alberta J, Gwen Farrell, Jan Jordan, obviously also by uh, 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 Roy Goldman, and yes. some others, because people actually were awesome with that in this episode. The production code is 9B10. That's it. That should be the highest they go. Writers, Dan Wilcox and Thad Mumford. Director, Burt Metcalf. Original air date for this episode, February 21st, 1983. Now, if I recall, just because this is on my mind, if I recall correctly, during the finale of MASH, there were so many people, and this might be an urban myth, there were so many people watching it, that at commercial breaks, the water pressure across the United States in major cities would drop. <laughs> we'll see if that's mm. noted anywhere. I will look that up for next time. I was watching it. Yeah. I was I, watching it. Yeah. I would have been. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, that actually is the only time I have ever seen it. So I'm curious really? next week. To see, yeah, oh, that's God, the only time. I've seen it at so, least 10 times. What was that? 80, 80, 8383983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983983
we hope we're not one of those for you. Yeah, don't delete us. But if you follow our page, you'll get notified when I post a new episode. And that way you know, hey, that whiskey and mash. During my podcast feed, I can listen to that and have fun. Or, you know, just make fun of and us. And email us and text us and do all that stuff and let us know what you think. Yeah. Especially if you were a member, my last plea. Yeah. Or if you were a cast person or someone that was in production or costumes. We don't care. We would Come love to hear from you. and let us know. We'll have a special day with just you and yeah. ask questions. E- even if it's years after we're done with Aftermash, we will, we'll make a new episode just to yeah. talk. You know, I, I would love to hear from somebody who's actually Been involved with this. the show. Yeah, Because to me, this was magic. It yeah. was a cast that was oh. put together mm-hmm. in such a way that brings an energy to this yeah. day. And it had, Many years later. And, you know, again, just to reiterate, one of the reasons that we're doing this, so many of these episodes had such an important social message. It was really an important show of its time. That still apply today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about that. Right. They've been poignant. Um, to this day. Contemporary, uh, contemporaneous. Contemporaneous? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, and it, 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 it holds up over time. And um, for that reason, I would love to hear what it was like on set, you know, exactly. what, what it was like to be part of that. Because it, even at the time, it was such a, a, a social thing, such energy. a, su- such a part of energy. Yeah. As much as like Star Trek is part of the American experience, it's just there. You know it. You might not have ever watched it. You might not like it. You know it. MASH is kind of one of those shows, too. It's part of the American experience. Exactly. What was it like? I Thank wanna... you for sharing all of your stories and yeah. your costumes. And we really <laughs> just want to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, if you feel that we have earned your support in any way, we're not asking for money. We're asking for you to help us gain an audience for we're asking you to help us grow the community. Get somebody to sit down with you and watch this show. And then, you know what? Maybe maybe point them at our podcast. But if nothing else, show them the show. Show them the episodes. Tell them this is important. This, this message that they have here is important even today. You should watch it. You should listen to it because it means something. So thank you. Uh, we will see you next week. Where well, I don't think you'll see them. Well, we have the face mic. Okay. Or, or Just the, no, no, this isn't the face <laughs> mic. This is the normal mic. The face mic would allow we, you to see us. We will hear you. Or you'll will, hear us. You'll hear us next week. And we can hear you if you go over to our Facebook page or email us and let us know. Or just what in you're our thinking. heads. <laughs> if they can get a message to us in our heads. <laughs> That's a whole I'm other level to the of weird. Future people. Hi, future people. <laughs> it's weird talking to you. No, okay. you should use only one stick of butter in that recipe, <laughs> Diane. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Chris. I'm Gloria. Have a good week. Have a good week. Butter. <laughs> someday there will be. Someday there will be someone <laughs> named Diane. Listening to this while she's making chocolate chip cookies, and she will think, Should I put in two sticks of butter? (laughs) One. Only one. Put extra sugar. Look at the recipe, it says one. Two. Extra sugar will make them softer. Okay. I like soft. (laughs) Yeah. Have a great week. Bye, everyone. Where are you putting your grandpa?